It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday evening, July 14th, 2011. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is preaching uh, out of town tonight, and in his place, I've asked Eric Reynolds to come back and uh, fulfill his shoes. Eric, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jacob. It's always good to be here. Good to be with you tonight, and looking forward to our discussion. We're looking forward to your participation on the program tonight at 877-381-4567. You can email questions at collegeview.com, and you can also join in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. We've got an important discussion planned for tonight. I want to talk about a new law in the state of Tennessee. has been very controversial momentarily. Senator Bill Ketrin uh, from Murfreesboro uh, will be on the line with us, Lord willing, and will explain the new law that he helped sponsor. But, Eric, as we were talking before the program, uh, that law could have maybe not implications right now, but it could pave the way for uh, maybe some laws that could uh, bring some persecution down the line to come. Right. As is often the case with legal matters, sometimes it's the unintended consequence that uh, we have to be aware of. And uh, that's certainly the case here, that uh, sometimes what a law sets out to accomplish and then how it can be misused by some, um, you know, are two different things. And that's, that's I think, what, where the concern comes in. All right. Uh, Senator Bill Ketron joins us on the phone now. Uh, Senator Ketron, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for allowing me to be on the show tonight. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, just wanted to, to find out about the, the law that you helped sponsor and uh, and your thoughts about it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the law. Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, uh, the Cyber Bullying Act, Bullying Act of uh, uh, 2011, and um, what prompted me to bring the bill was... Um, when I was approached to, to introduce it by my house sponsor, Charlie Curtis, he asked me if I'd carry it, and I said, absolutely, I'd be happy to. Uh, and, and what I was reminded of a year or so ago, my wife and I were watching uh, 48 Hours 2021 of the shows, and it actually showed a, a lady in Texas whose daughter failed to make the cheerleading squad, and her daughter's friend made it. And the mother got vindictive against the little girl who made it and started stalking her on her Facebook to the point that she stalked her and said a lot of negative things about her. She ended up committing suicide. Mm. So that prompted me to carry the bill because my daughter just turned, she turns 21 into the month. I just a few short years ago uh, saw what my daughter, you know, talked about, the things that, that are so hurtful to to young children in college, and now they learn even earlier, 10, 11 years old, and things that they say about each other. Well, used to, when I was in school, they would write things on the bathroom wall in the gym. Mm-hmm. Today, they write it on the wall of the Facebook page, which is a whole new medium that prior generations never had to deal with. So your, law, it, your law basically expanded laws that were already on the book. So the the, that, the writing on the bathroom wall was already covered by a law, and you've you've expanded it to the internet now. Exactly, libel, slander, defamation of character, false eviction, false arrest. Those are those are laws that have been there for decades uh, against someone, and this just updated our laws to handle the news, uh, the new media's, the, the Twitter, the Facebook, the things that we have never experienced before that are here in the last five or six years. So that was the attempt to do that, not not thinking. We did debate it whether or not, and we made sure in talking with our uh, legal department and the legislature, I'm a strong constitutionalist, and I want to make sure that I didn't affect any First Amendment um, and take away, and that's what some people are concerned about, that this 
this goes against the Constitution by taking away the freedom of speech, you know, which is which is a real concern for for many of us. But it, that was not the intent, and we were assured that it would not in our legal department. But because of the questions that have been raised since that time, I went ahead two weeks ago and requested an AG opinion from the state attorney general. And if I stand to be corrected, I plan on coming back and tweaking it or tightening the bill up to make sure that it only affects those who have the malicious intent, not for anybody who wants to say whatever they want to over the Internet, but for those who actually cause that distress. And it has to be intentional in the wording that that person who you sent that to uh, and it has to be proven through the district attorney for, you know, somebody's going to, they just can't come out and sue you. The district attorney will have to bring charges in order for that felony to occur. Hey, Senator Ketcher? What happened? Yes. Hey, my, my name is Eric Reynolds, and um, I believe we actually Hi, met just a few uh, months ago. I, I work with a group called Leadership Lincoln, and, of course, we're in your uh, uh, district, and uh, Youth Leadership Lincoln uh, is, is the part that I'm involved with, which is... Uh, High school juniors and seniors, and we came up and uh, to the Capitol and toured. And, Absolutely, right. I do remember that. Yes, and um, what I'm wondering is, it seems like there was an element of this that's aimed at uh, young people as well, even those those same kind of people we've been working with. And is the law specifically for minors, or does it just have an element of it that addresses minors? Well, uh, the penalty that addresses minors for all those who are under age 18, uh, we took away the monetary fine and said that any minor who is caught uh, doing this or charged with this through the district attorney's office, it's 30 hours of community service. Uh, for an adult, it, it has a $2,500 fine and then 1129 as far as the uh, Class D felony is concerned. So the law applies to both. It's just the penalty is different for minors. That, that's that, the... that is correct. In, in community service, 30 hours of whatever the judge so sees fit, you know, sweeping sidewalks, cleaning the bathrooms or whatever. Now, right. now, so we're, we're I'm sorry, Senator Ketchum, you, you, I mean, what, on the surface, it seems like a, you know, pretty clean bill and not, nothing people would object to, but you've taken quite a bit of heat uh, for the bill, I think, in the, in the press. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and some of those objections, uh, quickly, what you mainly just on, uh, you think people think you've crossed the line and you're going to get into the free speech realm here? Absolutely. That's what uh, the majority of them are thinking, that, that we've gotten into free speech. And, and uh, I said, that's not the intent. And if we have to tweak the wording when we come back, then we will. But, you know, I'm trying to save many, many kids' lives. I mean, there was a, um, I think there was a, a young man who his picture was, his roommate filmed in, he and his roommate uh, and put it on uh, YouTube, and he jumped off a bridge into New Jersey. Uh, there's several yeah, Rutgers, instances. I think. Yeah, of, of these yeah, Rutgers, that's correct. And, and there's, these kids don't think anything about it today of putting mean, hurtful things on there, on the internet, and, and just spreading all kind of rumors. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's just a. Uh, I don't know. I I stand to be corrected. If I'm wrong, we'll adjust it. But uh, I think my intent was pure. What kind of changes do you anticipate that you guys would make to the law for next year? Well, we'll take the recommendations from the from the attorney general uh, in in uh, collusion with our legal department to tweak it, to tighten it up, to where you know it's absolute that it does not affect any um, uh, constitutional provisions that, that that none of those constitutional provisions are violated. Uh, by no means do we want to affect that. Well, send that message, but we want to protect this next generation of kids. Well, we and we appreciate you for wanting to do the right thing, Senator Ketron, and, and I appreciate your humility for being willing to say, you know, if uh, if if I need to do something different, I want to do that. But uh, the reason we wanted to talk to you tonight, and uh, probably not the only people who've wanted to do this, is that we see some potential uh, problems for those who would want to make religious statements. Um, in the law, you uh, you made this statement uh, that uh, if the statement causes emotional distress to the student. Yeah, and that seems to be what everybody's focusing on is the emotional distress, but, you know, they they tell me that it has to be deliberate and, and it has to be the uh, a district attorney would have to make the determination that the emotional distress was caused
from the person who sent it and knowing that the person who received it uh, experienced that emotional distress because it was intended for them to see it and them see it only. So, you know, that's going to be very hard to prove. Well, Senator Ketron, have you ever sat through a sermon on Sunday morning that caused you a little emotional distress? That's right. I mean, I, I, don't, think you ever, I don't think you ever will. Well, no, no, I, I have sat through sermons that have caused me emotional distress. In fact, have caused me to stay up at night, you know, when there are things in my life that needed to be changed. Sure. Uh, what, are, what are the implications? Let's say that we get up and uh, we preach a, a sermon against lying, for instance, and there's a liar in the congregation. Uh, and uh, and it causes him distress because we've we've called we've called out the fact that people shouldn't lie and that uh, that God will will punish those who are liars. Uh, could I be prosecuted under this law for doing that? I'm sorry, I was talking to my wife. She's out. Can, can you hold on just for a second? Sure can. Uh, the number to call is eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. And uh, if you'd like to talk with us tonight, yeah, Senator Ketron. Um, Let's say that let's say that uh, someone gets up in a pulpit and uh, makes a, a, a condemnation, a statement against a certain uh, sin, lying, stealing, whatever. And uh, someone in the congregation hears the sermon and they they I have a, a, a problem with that activity that's been you know uh, denounced in the, publicly. Could you be could you be prosecuted under this law for uh, causing emotional distress for that person when you speak out against certain sins that you know, you're convicted of religiously? I don't. I don't think so. You know, we we asked the the, the lead attorney uh, those type of questions. We were concerned about it because we thought that there might be a gray area. We didn't want anyone to interpret that was the intent. Um, you know, but like I say, I, I stand to be corrected, and if we need to change it, we will in January. The bill's into effect. The governor signed it. It was bipartisan support. Everybody felt comfortable about it, but I think everybody's focusing on the emotional distress uh, sentence in the second paragraph of the bill, um, and um, uh, I'll change it if I have to. We, we you know, as um, as preachers and, and Christians have a sensitivity to, you know, the, the, the potential danger that one day uh, you're not going to be allowed to say, you know, that uh, certain things are sinful, and... I just wonder, you know, you're a lot closer to that as a lawmaker. Do you sense, are there, do you feel like, there, are there movements afoot? Are there people who would like to make it hate speech, in other words, or, or come up with some sort of way or interpret existing legislation to crack down on, you know, somebody's ability to, to, uh, to preach a message that's extremely unpopular or, or not politically correct today? Well, uh, I haven't seen that in the state of Tennessee, and I've I traveled quite a bit in other states. I I haven't seen that, but I do sense that is occurring in, in some areas of our country, and and I would I sense that uh, coming from our current administration mm. uh, in Washington, um, because uh, you know we saw that with Hitler uh, and the Nazi regime, right? And um, uh, that is my concern. And if and if this bill comes back in the Attorney General's opinion that it leans in that direction, I will introduce a bill that kills that. Right. Uh, that totally eliminates the bill that we set forth. What, um, what do you do, what do you do uh, Senator Ketron, and what do we do as citizens to uh, protect our, our freedoms religiously and uh, to prevent uh, some of the laws that you fear and we fear as well coming down the line where some of these actions could be considered hateful? Well, you know, we have to stay abreast of every, every bill that's introduced you know, there were over 2,000 that were introduced this past year just in Tennessee alone, and we have to stay focused on that um, and, and be aware of, of all the things that are coming our direction that want to undermine the foundations that our forefathers brought us, um, you know, to take away their religious freedoms, just like uh, the bill that I sponsored on, on um, the material support, originally um, uh, coded as the Sharia law bill. Um you know, we removed the word Sharia, but it was going after those who supply material support for homegrown terrorists. Now, if Sharia falls into those uh, those who are Muslim and worship 
in that direction. It could be any neo-Nazi or anybody else that want to take away those freedoms from us. Then we have to be prepared to block any of those movements as far as legislation is concerned. All right. Well, Senator Ketchin, we sure do appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule to talk to us tonight, and we got a better understanding of where you're coming from. And, uh, again, we do appreciate you trying to do the right thing and your humility and wanting to uh, make sure that you protect uh, the children. Well, and, and thank you so much. And, and if anything changes on that, when we go back in January, I'd love to come back on and explain to you, you know, that we've tweaked it, we feel good about it, here's the reason why, um, you know, so we can tell your listening uh, um audience that that uh here here's what it means and here's why it will not affect you all right well thank you very much okay. appreciate your thank time you. all you. right that's all tennessee right. senator bill ketron from uh, district 13 in tennessee and uh, appreciate the discussion eric again it was a good discussion honest discussion and you know uh there are some he even admitted there's some movement afoot to uh maybe to crack down on some of the religious freedoms that we currently enjoy maybe take for granted today I was glad to hear his feelings, and I shared this with him. I'm kind of an optimist, I guess, but that not right now in Tennessee is it just, you know, on our doorstep, but he, he even says he's recognized that in other parts of the country, and, and that just means it's probably just a matter of time um, before we face the same similar things here. All right. We want to talk about that on the other side of the break, and we want to ask you, what about uh, movement afoot? Do you think that persecution is coming for those who are standing up for what's right? And if it does come, what's our attitude toward that persecution? How do we stand strong in the face of persecution? Because, hey, Eric, we live in America. We think, well, that persecution doesn't happen. It could happen. And it could happen just with the stroke of a pen, one short law, and we could have this persecution on our doorstep. That's right. It's close, potentially. We want to know how do we face it, how do we handle it, what is our attitude towards the government. When the government starts to persecute us, Eric, what do we do? And we may be talking to people who are in parts of the country where it's a lot closer than it is maybe even for here. Or other other parts of the world. Right. Okay, so how do we handle the persecution? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Here are some quotes worth pondering. Immodest clothing reveals more than one might think. It reveals disrespect for the Word of God and a rebellious heart as well as a spirit of disobedience. When science discovers the center of the universe, a lot of people will be disappointed to find out that they are not it. Every man has an equal chance to become greater than he is. A fault once denied is twice committed. Most of man's inventions have been time savers, but then came television. Man, I wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about religious persecution. Again, we appreciate uh, Senator Bill Ketchin for uh, coming on and talking about his law. Again, that was not the intention, Eric, and uh, I think we, we were confident of that after talking to him, that that was not the intention that he had with uh, the introduction of law that he uh, put forward this year in the legislative session. Uh, he, he was not intending to uh, limit religious free speech or, or promote religious persecution at all. Uh, so we don't want to leave that impression, but it does. Uh, it, it sort of made it made my uh, hair on the back of my neck sort of tingle when I heard the details of the law 
at the first, you know, the first hearing. Right. As is often the case, as I was starting to say before, right before the interview, with people creating laws and stuff, it's the unintended consequences that are often where the trouble comes in. You know, maybe it starts out and everybody would agree the intent is good, but how that can be interpreted by someone with an agenda is often where the danger comes in. And something as broad as saying anything you say that you know would cause someone distress, and he was sort of emphasizing, it'll be interesting to see how they reword it, because it was almost like their solution was to make sure that you had to have intent. But what if I know before I tell you what I'm about to say that you're going to be upset? You're going to be very upset. But maybe I have an obligation to say it. And there still needs to be protection for us to be able to say what we want, but we may not always have that protection. Do you ever tell somebody something you know is going to cause them emotional distress? I mean, something's got to change in their life. Maybe they're in a marriage that they don't have any right to. You've got to get out of that. You're not going to have fans. Those things make your stomach hurt for a while. And, Eric, when you're putting your sermons together, you know there are things in people's lives that need to change. You sometimes make the sermon and write the sermon in a way that you hopefully will maybe get somebody to squirm in their seat a little bit. Right, and you definitely do. You want a reaction. You want a response. It's not, again, it's not motivated out of hate. It's motivated out of love, but you still, you're trying to get to the person's conscience. And as far back as we go in the scriptures with men who were given messages from God to deliver, it seems almost universal that there were people who reacted negatively to that, and persecution always seems to follow. I think we go even with Jesus. He caused a lot of emotional distress in the society he lived in. He shook things up, and there were a lot of people that were losing sleep at night over Jesus. And he's still shaking things up. He still is. 877-381-4567. If you'd like to comment about the interview you heard with Senator Ketron, you want to talk about persecution in general, what about where you are? Do you see it? Maybe it's closer where you live than it is here in Tennessee. Let us know your thoughts. Maybe you have some ideas on how we stand strong in the face of persecution. Let us know those as well. Anthony is behind the controls tonight, making us hopefully sound good. Anthony, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Had a sort of a hiatus there. So glad to be back. And appreciate you guys doing the legwork to get Senator Ketron on and bring up this topic. You know, I think it's a good springboard for us to talk in general uh, I think we got some good questions tonight that I'm looking forward to hearing well, our listeners' response. Your thoughts about the interview just uh, as you sit there and listen tonight? Well, you know, I didn't actually know a lot about it coming into it. I wasn't even aware of the bill, but uh, I thought he definitely um, appreciated his attitude and willingness to, to change and appreciate his coming out and saying that, that his intent is purely, you know, to protect uh, protect children out there with the new media that we have. I definitely agree that... You know, things are changing so fast that we've got to be sure we're keeping up and, and doing our best to protect uh, innocent children out there. Um, so I understand that's the intent, and it sounds like he definitely doesn't want to infringe on our on our uh, free speech rights and so forth. So that's good to hear, but I, I agree that we do have to be wary of, of these things coming down the line. For our listeners who are not in the Tennessee area, the uh, bill that we're referencing is Tennessee Senate Bill 488, if you'd like to look that up. And uh, find out more information about it, Tennessee Senate Bill 488. And uh, it does have the wording uh, that uh, that harassment uh, or intimidation or bullying, including any acts that cause emotional distress to a student, are punishable. And so that fear we had was that, uh, you know, you say something about the way someone's living, that causes emotional distress. Are you therefore uh, liable. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. Eric, we we like to think that persecution could never happen, uh, that it wouldn't happen here, uh, but it could. And if it does, how should we view that persecution? Well, and I think maybe we ought to see that the time that we've been living in is an anomaly. Oh, that's true. Because, for instance, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.12, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, from what we see in the scriptures, we ought to expect to be persecuted. And the fact that we have been able to enjoy a free country uh, that it was based on Christian principles for as long as we have without really fearing persecution is definitely a blessing. Um, 
but it's not one that we should assume is always going to be that way or that that's even the normal way of things. In fact, it seems the, the normal way of things would be that people who really, truly practice their faith and say what the Bible says have got convictions, have convictions are going to be persecuted. That's true. And if we claim to be Christians, then we would be claimed to be following in Christ's footsteps. And Christ was persecuted. Therefore, we ought to assume that if the world didn't love Christ and they wanted to do harm to him, they will should have the same reaction to us if we're following in his footsteps. It, it maybe even ought to cause us to check ourselves. If, if we're sailing along without everybody, really everybody feeling us. Yeah. yeah, but there's no resistance. You, you know, that that's that's maybe cause for concern to ask ourselves, are we really living like Christ? Well, along those lines, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 20, tells us that, in fact, we were called to this position where we would suffer persecution. 1 Peter 2, verse 20, beginning, For what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently? This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. So... Christ left us an example. If we're following that example, then we should get the same reaction. And Jesus himself said to his disciples that a uh, you know the student is not greater than the master, and if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So just like you say, we're trying to be like him. Yeah. We should expect and maybe even hope for the same reaction that he got. The and oftentimes when people are persecuted, they rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer. I think they were recognizing that it, they were, uh, it was a, something to be uh, glad about, that because they lived like Christ, they were treated like Christ. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You make that point, Eric, but I think that the persecution that they suffered was not intentional. It was a, it was a natural byproduct and reaction to what they were doing, but it wasn't their intent or their goal to be persecuted. I think some today have the idea that uh, they want to be persecuted, and in order to do that, they're going to come across as abrasive as they can, take the most extreme position and view that they can just to get someone riled up. I know you've interviewed some people that that's their motive. I mean, they they, they feel like they've been successful when they have— Make uh, people mad and— Right. uh, Yeah, right. And And there's no wisdom in that. that, You don't find that anywhere uh, in the the New Testament. All right. Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-381. Four, five, six, seven. So Jesus suffered persecution. Jesus tells us if we're going to follow in his steps, we'll suffer persecution. And in Matthew chapter 5, Eric, in verse 10 beginning, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus made some pretty, in, you know, we, we focus on a lot of these statements of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. This is perhaps one of the more challenging ones that he makes here as he talks about persecution and our reaction to it. Right, he says in verse 10, beginning, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So far, so good. But this next verse, like you say, is the part where it's counterintuitive. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. So when this persecution comes, we're told to rejoice. Now, let's just assume Senator Ketron's bill wasn't uh, designed to take away our religious freedoms, but let's say that there was uh, some senator out there who wanted to do that. That bill is passed, and now they're knocking at your door, Eric. That's there to rejoice when that happens. That's, uh, that's, a, t- that's a tall order to fill. Right. Yes, we have examples of people doing that very thing, but, but it, it, uh, it's certainly not the, um, uh, the reaction that you would you would. You would predict people would have all right james chapter one has a similar sentiment where it says in james chapter one verse two my brethren count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this is the trying of your faith work and patience again that idea of rejoicing or count it joy be happy about it eric um in the face of persecution that's that's going to be a challenge yeah and i think maybe that's even sort of um after it's over when you're enduring it uh we we look to jesus and how he endured it and back where we started in first peter two after that part you, you read where it talks about he gave us an example, it goes on to say how he dealt with it. It says he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I don't, 
I don't think in those moments when Jesus was being persecuted that he was smiling about it. I mean, it was not something to, to be gleeful about. He was, but he endured it um, patiently. He endured it without um, returning vile anger for, you know, insults for insults. He endured it uh, trusting himself to God and that God was going to take care of it. Right. I guess there's two sides to the coin. You know, you're not necessarily happy that you're getting beat up, but you're happy that you're getting beat up. In Acts chapter, if that makes sense, Acts chapter 5, the apostles, for instance, when they had been through the persecution, in Acts chapter 5, verse uh, 41, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So, you know, that's right in the, the time frame there where they were suffering the persecution. Uh, from maybe from the spiritual side of things, uh, that they were they were thankful and rejoicing. Right. All right, we're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point, and then on the other side of the point break, we want to get your comments. Uh, send them in the chat room during the break. Send them in via email, or better yet, give us a call, and we'll be ready to take your call on the other side of the break. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Author John J. Pullen wrote, quote, The word intolerance in today's usage has unjustly come to be considered reprehensible per se. Once this dreadful word is applied to an individual, few people even stop to consider the relative merits or demerits of whatever it is the accused person is accused of being intolerant of. Far from being too much intolerance, we have too little. Or if we are to have craftsmanship, we must be intolerant of bungling. If we are to have learning, we must be intolerant of ignorance. If we are to have beauty in poetry, we must be intolerant of vulgarity. If we are to have excellence in anything, we must be intolerant of non-excellence, unquote. Pullen's observations are correct. They apply in science and industry, in education and medicine, and in a hundred other fields of endeavor. They also apply in the realm of religion. There is perhaps no other area where men have come to believe so thoroughly in tolerance. We're told that we must never condemn another man's religion. We are warned against ever saying that a certain teaching or practice is wrong or sinful. People, it seems, will tolerate anything but intolerance. Yet the result of this intolerance is non-excellence in religious service. These days, anything goes. All sorts of unauthorized acts are practiced in the name of religion. It is a shame, and God is not pleased. God's word speaks of pure and undefiled religion, James 1, 27. In order to have it, we must be intolerant of any departure from God's holy revealed word. Are you standing firmly for his truth? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we welcome you back to the program tonight. And we look forward to hearing from you. If you are listening to us around the world, send us an email. Just let us know where you are, where you're listening. Heard from a listener in England uh, this week, and we're happy to hear from him. And we're happy to hear from you from wherever you are. Take a minute to drop us a line and let us know where you're listening. We're talking about persecution on the program tonight and uh, what happens when persecution comes. Eric, uh, We've been saying all night it may not be that far away. Yeah, um, we we see, and you've you've talked about this before. You had a program not long ago about the the church sign, you know, that just listed some sins from First uh, Corinthians, and that created I don't know if you'd call it persecution, but it certainly created some resistance, uh, some kickback from the community, and so uh, those over, things are happening around us. Over the sin of homosexuality, in particular, and I heard uh, this evening on the, the way uh, to town, Eric, that uh, they passed a law in California. Uh, today, I think, that it uh, it makes it mandatory that homosexuality be presented in a positive light in children's textbooks in schools. That's the trend that our society is going to. And, in fact, I think I saw a recent poll where uh, a majority of Christians now think that homosexual marriage is acceptable uh, wow. and that homosexuality is okay. So that's the trend. That's the society we're living in, Eric. And as that wave uh, continues to progress, we've got to make the assumption that persecution is not too far away. Well, I mean, it, you just take that. It, it would be difficult in some cases, I think, for Christians who are put in a position of being educators in a public school system. Right. They're going to, you know, the day's coming, if it's not here already, where you're going to be given a textbook and a curriculum and you're going to be told to teach this. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we begin to hear about people whose jobs are lost and, and those kind of things because they 
could not in good conscience teach what the you know the going thing is. have you suffered persecution do you think it's close what are your thoughts let us know on the phone tonight over email or in the chat room we'd love to hear from you uh let us know what your thoughts are and the chat room has been a buzz and i've been missing those things i haven't scrolled down to see the latest things but uh some people do believe that the time is close and it is the time to be preparing uh for persecution while wow, i've missed a lot of comments in the chat room we haven't incorporated those and i apologize to our listeners for that uh, eric you talk about the teacher losing her job or uh, the guy who stands up for what's right at work and he loses his job. That is a form of persecution. We need not to think that people have to throw rocks at us or whip us across the back for us to be persecuted. Persecution comes in a lot of different forms. Right, yep. And so so we need to be prepared to suffer whatever it is. Yes, absolutely right. All right, 877-381-4567. Now, uh, Eric, why do some people shy away from persecution? Why, when, we, when we're faced, when, when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, when the laws are passed, and I, I'm sad to say that there will be some Christians, no doubt, who will they'll yield in the face of persecution. Well, some people do whatever it is that is the easiest thing to do. And in some cases, being a Christian is the easiest thing to do. If in your community that's sort of expected, in your family that's the... Uh, the normal thing. There are probably quite a few people who um, are a Christian, and if you can sort of maybe put it in quotation marks, because they that is the easiest route. It, it if they tried not to be, it would bring a lot of resistance. Well, for all those people, when there's resistance for being a Christian, um, of course they're gonna they're gonna shy away from and, and give up on you know, uh, at least keeping up the pretense. So if our religion is a religion of convenience, then when it becomes inconvenient, uh, it's gone. Right. It's the road. Uh, that's a good point. We've got to make sure that we're convicted and we're willing to stand up and we're not ashamed. Acts chapter, or Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, uh, verse uh, 38, Mark 8, 38, uh, tells us uh, Jesus makes a, the pretty uh, shocking statement when he says, wherefore, uh, therefore, uh, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of, the, of his father with his holy angels Eric uh, that tells us if we're not willing to suffer persecution then uh, don't expect God to be happy with us well and that's that's all wrapped up in that phrase that Jesus said when he said whoever would be my disciple let him take up his cross mm-hmm. and follow me this whole idea of carrying a cross um persecution is is inherent in that very concept it's that if you want to be a disciple you need to be ready to uh, suffer for that all right jack in the chat room says i agree we must stand for the truth but even peter denied christ when the heat was turned on how will we stand when it's really hot Uh, we need to pray for strength and study god's word so we'll be ready i was just waiting to, to interject with that very comment i picked up on that one also and the reason i wanted to mention it was because in acts chapter four uh, when Peter and John first experienced some resistance and, and persecution, of course, it was still kind of minor at that point, but it was going to build. They were told, you do not preach in this name any longer. Well, when they were released, verse 23 says they went to their friends or the, the, the other Christians, and the very first thing they did, verse 24, is when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And so they immediately prayed. And uh, prayer, you know, in response to persecution... As Jack says, prayer ahead of persecution, we need to be praying to God. But notice what they said here in Acts chapter 4. When they prayed, they did not say, God, please make this go away. Please. Yeah, yeah, this is not right. We don't want to suffer anymore. Please help it not to get any worse. I thought being a Christian was going to make my life perfect. What they say instead is, verse 29, Now, Lord, look upon their threats. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That's amazing. They asked God to look upon the threats. They wanted God to be aware of it. You know, that, that harkens back to me to several of the Psalms where they would just say, Lord, look at what's being done. You know, they, it's almost like they, they bring it to God's attention. This, yeah. So we want God, look what's happening. We want God to know. We're, we're, we're showing him, we're telling him what our concern is. Yeah. But then their request from God is not, and take it away, their request is, Give, give us boldness so we will continue to speak. And that's obviously the same thing we need to be praying. Amazing. Absolutely. We've got to have boldness. Uh, and uh, the comment I wanted to slid off the chat room again. Uh, uh, Larry in Kentucky says, are we going to be like Peter and crouch around the fire and deny Jesus? Uh, so uh, 
certainly uh, a, a challenge for us there. Uh, he, Larry also says, I love my Lord. He died on the cross for all our wrongdoings. Shouldn't I have enough courage to love Jesus and keep his commandments? Uh, so certainly uh, some good things there. Eric, your thoughts? Right. And that, and Peter shows us that, you know, it, in one moment he was uh, ready to die. Or he said he was. And then, you know, at another moment he was weak. And um, we, you know, we just need to, to pray for boldness and pray for strength and uh, be ready when that time comes that we'll be willing to stand up for him. And, and part of it is, I think, keeping all of this in perspective. You know, when we look at things from an eternal perspective, it makes it all easy to understand. Yeah. If we're looking at it just from oh, a here now, absolutely. it makes it, you know, unbearable. Or we might think about, well, you know, what's going to happen and, and, you know, what about what my safety or my family and all that. But when we just kind of zoom out a little more and we look at it from the eternal this perspective. This is such a small blip that you can't even see it. And just like Paul said, you know, uh, he, none of those things that happened, they, he, they, it was not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed. All right. We look forward to hearing from you tonight. Uh, the best way for your voice to be heard is over the phone, 877-381-4567. Eric, you know, we read in Matthew chapter 5 that we're to rejoice. And in James chapter 1, that we're to count it all joy. Are there some good things that come from persecution? Is I mean, is... The trial of your I, faith. Is am I some, says, kind of, some kind of sadist that I, you know, that I that I enjoy the pain? Is that, is that why I'm supposed to rejoice? Or are there, are there benefits? Well, and that, that brings to mind Hebrews chapter 12, where they were facing persecution there. And the, and the author of Hebrews is trying to prepare them for that. And um, he's warning them about that, that they hadn't yet struggled. Uh, verse 4, he says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That sure. would be true of us. Yeah. You know, we might, like you said, maybe somebody's uh, career is, is, hasn't progressed like it would have if they he got passed over. He got passed over. We haven't yet resisted in America to shedding. But somebody said here, we don't even know. Um, I, th- I think it was uh, Paul. Somebody said, we don't even know what persecution smells like or something like that. You know, we haven't yet experienced it. That's what he was saying. But they, it was coming, and maybe it's coming for us. But he goes on to say that um, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I struggled with this passage for a long time trying to understand how is this discipline of God. But I, I've come to this conclusion about it, that what he's talking about there is God can use even that persecution for his own purposes and even when negative things happen god can use that to bring about the peaceful fruit of righteousness and the way he does that i believe eric is because it gives us the opportunity to apply what we've been studying well we've been in the we've been in the locker room learning the game plan and now when the heat's on now we get to uh, to use those apply those principles and those and then the application of god's principles in our lives make us what god wants us to be that's a good way to put it. All right. 877-381-4567, again, is the number you call to be on the program as we talk about persecution. And, Eric, um, we have not resisted unto blood and to death, and um, a lot of people have. We can take great uh, comfort from knowing that when we are persecuted, we're not alone. Right, yes. People have. We can read about people who have. Uh, the, Hebrew, the same book, the previous chapter, uh, many others, it says, among of whom the world was not worthy. Yeah. But there's people around the world today who are in circumstances that, um, you know, that, that are not nearly as free as we are. And uh, so, yes, we, we know that we have uh, brothers and forerunners who have, who have been there before, and so we can look to their example for courage as well. All right, and we can look to the book of Revelation as well, Eric. Those Christians in, that were addressed in the book of Revelation were in the heart and the heat of persecution and the the instructions that were given to them can be great comfort and uh, encouragement to us as well as we face difficult times. Right. Some would say that's sort of the purpose of the book yeah. is so, to to let them know that in the end, uh, God's side's going to be victorious, and what what's happening to them now is going to all be it's temporary dealt and with. transient, right. and uh, in the end, uh, we're on the right side. Right. All right, we're going to take our break, and then when we get back from the break, Eric, we need to get into the important discussion of. Okay, let's assume, let's assume that uh, the Senate, uh, the, the Congress of Tennessee or of the United States passes the law that says, Eric, you say that homosexuality is a sin. You tell somebody they shouldn't be a liar or a thief, and we're locking you up, and we're throwing away the key. 
What's your response to the government when they do that? Do you revolt? Do you lead a revolution? How do you respond? What's your, your reaction? There's some pretty, probably someone would say, un-American approaches that the scriptures tell us we need to have uh, when that happens. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. So don't go anywhere. We'll get to that important discussion right after these messages. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the Virtual Bible Study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight. We appreciate you for being here. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and visit with us Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m., or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, or if you're not, you can find out more information about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have any question about something you've heard on the program tonight or any edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we welcome your questions or comments via the phone, via email, Anytime, be sure to contact us. I want to say hello to Donna and Pat. They're listening out in Reasoner, Iowa tonight, Eric, and they said our volume was a little bit off uh, there. We, maybe we've corrected that problem. Good to hear from them. Good to hear from all of our listeners tonight. We appreciate you for being on the other end of the line. Now, Eric, before we went to the break, and we posed a question. Let's say that there really was a law. We, uh, we talked with Senator Ketron tonight about his law, and, again, his intention was not uh, to cause uh, religious persecution. But let's say that there was a law and the sole intent was to cause religious persecution, uh, let's just say, I mean, let's make, it, let's make it as ugly as you want it to be. If you have a Bible in your home, we're going to throw you in jail. What if it says, we strictly charge you not to speak in this name? Okay, <laughs> that, that, that's happened. That's not unheard of. That's right, not right. just theoretical. It's happened. How do you respond? What's the response that we need to have to the government when they do that? What, what do you do? Well, like you said, we have an example of the very thing. Uh, Peter and the apostles were commanded, cease and desist. Do not speak anymore in this man's name. And they responded in Acts 5, verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. Um, God tells us to submit to the government, but that is only so long as the government's laws are in accordance with what God would have us to do. And once, if they're in conflict, then our allegiance is to God over the government. So we have to do what God tells us to do. And if that ever becomes illegal, then that's not a law that we uh, have, that we can keep. All right. So there is an exception to that. And so this would definitely be an exception uh, to the instruction you obey the laws of the land is when uh, they're telling you to do something that's unlawful, you can't do it. Or when they tell you you can't do something that God commands us to do. Like, it's illegal to assemble, and I, I've heard of places where they have to do that in secret, 
um, we would still assemble. We would still do the things that God tells us to do, um, even if someone passed a law saying that that uh, that it was illegal. Okay. All right. Now that's 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 pretty much a given. I think anyone who's listening to this tonight would say, "Yeah, we already knew that." But Eric, what kind of attitude should I have to the government when they uh, when they make these laws? Should I lead a revolt? Should I? Start uh, some type of movement to be subversive to the government. What, what's what's my response and our attitude towards the government when they make these outrageous laws that will ultimately lead to my persecution, perhaps even my death? Well, for sure, um, I think we can look at the words of Jesus when he was on trial, and he explained there that if you know the the uh, Pilate asked him, "So you are a king," and that he was being charged with leading a revolt, and he said, "My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight." And he's explaining there that, that he's the king of a nation that is a spiritual nation, and it's not at war with the worldly nations um, in a sense of leading a revolt. That wasn't Jesus' plan. That wasn't the type of kingdom he established. We're citizens of that kingdom. We're involved. We're engaged in a battle right now, uh, but it is a spiritual battle with spiritual warfare. So um, we are not called as, as uh, Christians to lead a revolt against the existing you know, the powers that be. All right. Uh, I think it goes even beyond that, though, Eric. I think that we're even instructed to honor those people who would be even doing the persecution. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Explain yeah. that. Well, and that's that's a hard one. But in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, um, Peter is talking here about um, sub- subjecting ourselves and submitting to various forms of authority. There's actually three in this context. The first one is governments. The next one is slaves and masters. And then finally, chapter 3 is likewise wives and husbands. In all three cases, there's a subjection there. And he mentions that um, even when we do that, we have to do so with the, with an attitude of um, honor. And For instance, in chapter, verse 17, he says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Well, if we if we have our... If we've done the math right, or, you know, people that, that try to date these books right. would say that Peter wrote this during the reign of Nero. I don't know if that's true or not. It almost doesn't matter because Nero is just, you know, a, a lower form of, of what a lot of the a emperors were. A long line of, uh, of bad emperors. A long line of bad emperors. There, there, there weren't really any good ones for a long time yet. But uh, Nero was a particularly demented person who used Christians to light his gardens. He, would you know, killed them, lit them on fire to, to you know, just to provide some light along the path. Yeah. That's the kind of person that, that, that he's saying here, he's instructing them to honor the emperor. And obviously that 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 is out of a respect for God's authority and out of respect for God, not because the person is worthy of honor, not because they're an honorable person, but because we respect the fact that that, that is a, a, a position of authority that is authorized by God. Amazing response there, Eric. That uh, you, you know, you would think that uh, someone like that, uh, there'd be some room there to, you maybe to dishonor that king. But Paul tells him, you go to the point, the man who is persecuting you, still honor him because he's in a God-given role. Well, and a, a great example also is our, our Lord when he was on trial. He told Pilate, um, Pilate said, "Don't you know I can have you killed or I can spare you?" And he said, "You would have no authority at all, except it was given to you by." My father. So he recognized that even this man who was about to pronounce the death sentence on him, he he was in his position and he had authority because it came from God. Even Pilate. Not the decisions that they make, not the individual actions, but their office the is ordained by God and the authority that they have in that office is ordained by God. Right. And so we've got to honor it, even in the face of persecution. Right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. Anthony, that's a Tough again, a tough and tall order to fill, uh, to to even go as far as honoring those who would be doing the persecution. But I think it's very clear from the scriptures that we've got to be careful about our attitude toward the government. You know, it's Anthony. I think it's hard for us even today when the government's not persecuting us to have the right attitude towards them always. But even in the face of persecution, we've got to do that. Right, and you know, I think especially as Americans, we kind of we have this whole rebel attitude. After all, our nation was founded by rebels, uh, and that spirit kind That's of the looked, American way, isn't right? It? So I think we're kind of it's ingrained in our psyche, and we have to be careful that we don't have that attitude. So I think it's important that we dwell on these verses and and uh, you know even just 
from the beginning, you know, make sure that we're that we are obeying the laws of land as small or insignificant as they might be, and and realize that if things do get bad, uh, that we still have. Uh, you know, understand what our attitude needs to be. You know, Jonathan makes a good comment in the chat room. I've missed a lot of comments uh, tonight and uh, missed a lot of Jonathan's as well. But Jonathan says, I'm afraid many would take it as an open rebellion against all of government if they made one thing, I think he's talking about one religious thing, illegal. Open rebellion and anarchy by Christians, such would be a real danger. I think uh, that Jonathan's probably not very far from the truth there. Listen to what people say when people talk about gun control. Yeah. The, the the prevailing attitude. I mean, among people dead, that would be, uh, right. you know, that would they would claim to be Christians is over my dead body. Right. When yeah, they yeah. pry my cold fingers off the trigger or whatever, right. that's when I'm they can going have. Down, I'm going down shooting. We we like 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 was said. We have inherited this this. Uh, we have a heritage. You know, the, the the in fact, you think about it, the popular movement now is called the Tea Party movement. Right. That goes all the way back to when we don't like it. We don't think it's fair. Look what we're going. We're going to revolt. In we, your face, and we sort of pride ourselves yeah. on that. Um, you know, even through the civil rights and all that. If a law is unjust, the the ethic of the day, the moral of the day was: if a law is not just, then you you even have a moral obligation to to stand up against it and to refuse to submit. You know, uh, there's this sort of mindset that's built into us that first and foremost we have these don't tread on me inalienable rights. Right. We say. Yeah. And if anybody tries to take them away from you, then you have a almost obligation as a good American to to revolt, to stand up against that. Yeah. And so it is a paradigm shift, if you will, Eric. Right. And you mentioned something earlier about uh, the way that we should, you know, um, uh, deal with, talk about, uh, respond to the authorities. Here's another uh, tough one, I think, or, or challenging one. Titus 3, 1 and 2, he says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, mm-hmm. to avoid quarreling, be gentle, show perfect courtesy toward all people. Um, it's easy to, you know, we, we were talking before the break about, um, you know, there's certain programs and on there's certain channels on cable, there's uh, talk shows and stuff like that, that if you listen to them, and they're right about a lot of things, right? they really get your blood boiling. And it's easy to, to really be um, angry at, at those in government, and maybe rightly so, but then to let that cause us to be very ugly That's and disrespectful. It changes our attitude towards the government. Right. And to be to be hateful, to use, uh, you know, uh, to be in, very insulting, uh, degrading in, yeah. in, our, in the way that we talk about. And you know, I cringe sometimes on Facebook uh, when I see some people, uh, fellow Christians, and the way they post things about, you know, President Obama, for instance, and are just as, as disrespectful as they can possibly be. Uh, toward him, and I, and I just think that, that that goes against these scriptures that we've been reading. Uh, you know, when uh, we've talked about Jesus, his attitude towards the government, we've talked about uh, the apostles, their attitudes toward government. Go back in the Old Testament, one that uh, that really just shocks me every time I read it, David. David, right. Saul's trying to kill him, and uh, David David has remorse because he cut off the, the fringe of his, uh, his garment. He always calls him the Lord's anointed. Yeah. He recognizes that Saul was king because of the authority of God. Right. And how many Christians today would have taken every opportunity they had to run that dagger through and finish Saul off? Well, David's own men were telling him the same thing. Yeah. yeah. David was in a, in a but, all by himself almost. As you said, God's anointed. David was going to respect and honor him regardless. Even though he wanted to kill him, he was going to respect and honor him. Even if the government wants to kill and persecute us, we've still got to honor him. There's no, there's no escape clause or, uh, or way around what, what God's told us to do. Well, we're out of time. Eric, it's been, that it? It's, it's it. Yeah. You did good. I hope we didn't put anybody to sleep. <laughs> well, we never know. Right. right. Uh, Eric, thanks for taking time away for your family to come and be a part of the program. Thanks again for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. And we appreciate, it again, Senator Ketron for taking time from his schedule to join us as well. Right. It was a good discussion. Anthony, thank you for being behind the controls. Thank and, you. It's good to be back. And thank you for listening to our program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope that you are prepared to face the persecution that is inevitable for those who want to be godly in this wicked world. I, will, I, I do want to pin, I just saw something that Jack said that I think it would be worth adding. He says, when leaders are evil and wicked, we must speak up. And I think it is true, especially we in our system of government, we have the ability to do what you did tonight, right. which is bring him on and, and voice our concerns and talk to our representatives. When we say honor and all that, it doesn't mean that we, we don't voice our concerns. So that, I, th- I thought it was a good comment. Can I, can I conclude the program now? Sorry. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, that, that was a good comment.
We do appreciate uh, the discussion tonight. We appreciate you for joining us. We hope you make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.